Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, Carrington Gaines has part five of the series titled One Shot. Today's message is The X Factor. Well, um, you can turn the teaching lights up on. I, just ain't, we, I know I'm up here, but it's not about to be another worship service, I promise you. Um, today, I have the honor of teaching you guys. Isn't that kind of crazy? Um, I know I get to, to lead worship, and I'm, I'm truly grateful for that. But this is a different kind of situation. This is a different muscle, and I'm so glad. I'm so, so glad um, that Parks and the team, like, have encouraged me to go ahead and step out into this new thing that the Lord is kind of calling me to. Um, but before before I can go any further, I got to do this because, you know, when I when I was younger, I used to see um, some of my favorite preachers do it, and I, and I just got to do it real quick. My wife, baby, can you just stand up? Can you stand up? This, If you don't know, this is my wife, Ebony. Um... Literally, she is the best thing that has ever happened to me besides Jesus Christ. I mean, I, let, let it, listen, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have made it through this week if I, hadn't, if I didn't have her. I mean, she was my rock in so many different ways, and I'm just so grateful for you. I love you so much, so much. All right. So we're going to get into this. You know, Parker already talked about it. We got one shot. But before we get into that, I, I need to ask everybody in this room a favor real quick, okay? See, I come from a Pentecostal background, all right? So it gets a little loud where I'm from. So this morning, I'm not saying we're about to turn into a Pentecostal church. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I need you to talk back to me this morning, okay? I, I, amen? All right, see, that's the kind of energy I'm going to need all message, okay? All message. Um, so <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into it real quick. Um. How many people in this room feel like they have been extraordinarily gifted? By the show of hands. Yeah, I figured that's how it was going to be this morning. <laughs> so I knew, that's why I know I'm in the right place. I'm at the right time. Because, I mean, more often than not, we all just kind of feel ordinary, right? Just feel ordinary. There's nothing special. There's nothing um, that's, like, really spectacular about us. But... Um, I, I feel like I kind of felt that way for most of my life. Up until about, uh, what is it, 20, uh, 2007. I was about to say 2017. But 2007, I was a kid back in Buffalo, New York. I was, I was just a little high school, little black kid that was just wanting to, you know, go ahead and make some money so I can buy another pair of sneakers. That's all I was. I, I thought that was my life. But one, one day, um, I was in the basement with my cousins, uh, Jare and Jordan. Nene is my other cousin, so she was, like, always the girl in the group. It was just a bunch of boys. She was always there. Um, but she wasn't there at this moment. But I can remember, like, yesterday, like, we were in the basement, and my cousin Jordan had this ringtone on his phone. Does anybody still use ringtones? Y'all still do? Yeah, Brad does, too. He's a little weird, but um, he still uses ringtones. But... But he had this ringtone, and it was this song that literally captivated me. It was like, I couldn't, I'm like, oh, man, what is that? It was the first time I had ever heard it. It was this song called Ordinary by John Legend, Ordinary People by John Legend. Do, anybody know that song? Oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> Listen, it was like, it was this song, and I just remember when he would, like, get a phone call. I, I would just start saying, oh, we're just ordinary people. I'm like, man, this is, this is good, bro. We don't know which way to go. And then the more his phone rung, because if you knew Jordan, he was a very popular young man back in the day. Um, so his phone kept ringing. And then by one time, one time the phone rung, and I just, we're just ordinary people. We don't know 
which way to go. We're just ordinary people. Maybe we should take it slow. Take it slow. All right, Brad, now. Brad trying to take me back to a different kind of place. See, <laughs> it, was a, it was a time in life where uh, I would sing that song in a different kind of spot and I'd tear the room up. I really would. But that's not what we're here to do this morning, right? Um, but but I, I started singing and my cousin Jordan was like, yo, what, when you start doing that? And I was like, I ain't think nothing of it. I'm just like, what you mean? He was like, yo, P, like, you can sing. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, bro, like, you can actually sing, not like make a joyful noise type of singing. He was like, you can actually sing, sing. And I was like, oh, well, what do we got here? Maybe I am a little different. Maybe I am special. But even as time went on, as time went on, I was like, yeah, but I still feel like something is missing, though. I still felt kind of ordinary. So, one thing that I found in this thing, in this, 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 this uh, study of this text or whatnot, I was like, well, maybe a lot of people in here today feel that same way. Like, yeah, I think God has given me something, but I still just feel what? Ordinary. Right? So, I was looking at the text and it was this phrase that kept coming back to me like the whole time. It was like, I don't know if I got it. I don't know if I created it. I don't know if it came from the Lord or if I just saw it on like a, a meme or something like that. But this phrase that, that said, God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. For my note takers, I'm going to say it again. God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So I was, I was chewing on that a little bit, but then I was like, okay, I, I saw an equation. Any, any math heads in here, if you like math and all that, oh, look at you. There you go. It's only one. Only. <laughs> um. I saw the equation, and I know I came with this. I came up with this myself. I know I did. But it was ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. Now, you're going to hear me say that a lot during this whole talk. Y'all need to give me a minute. My mouth is dry. All right. So, yeah. It's crazy. I can literally come up here and I can jump around and, and dance and, and, and sweat and all types of stuff. And I never get my, my, I don't get dry mouthed up here when I'm doing all that. But I'm up here for five minutes. <laughs> Already taking water, right? Um, but where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. And I hope by the end of this message that we have a, a greater understanding of what it takes to go from living an ordinary life to live in an extraordinary life, making an extraordinary impact. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this day. We thank you that we thank you that our hearts are open, our minds are open, our ears are open to hear exactly what you want to say, Father. Move through us. Move in us. Have your way. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. I'm telling you, I'm going to need the energy all day. Okay? All right. So what I want to do first, I want to look at uh, Old Testament character. He's probably one of my favorites. David. How many are David fans? I know, I know Jesus. I know, I know. Jesus is, is the king. But sometimes Jesus seems a little unattainable for me. You know what I'm saying? So I got to look at other characters that, that I can actually see my life in a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but David was, he eventually became a king. Uh, the king of Israel, who's the man after God's own heart. But one of the things that I, I wanted to do, I wanted to go back and I wanted to look at when David was just a kid. 
just a little teenager, an ordinary kid. But even though he was ordinary, he was an extremely gifted musician. And I promise you, this is not about to be a worship message. But he was an extremely gifted musician. The boy was so bad that he would start playing. They called these things liars. He would start playing them. And then, like, literally, the devil would go away. The devil couldn't stay in the room when he started playing his instrument. I mean, bread is good, but he ain't even that good. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> he was extremely gifted, but that didn't stop other people from just looking at him as what? Ordinary, right? So I want to go to 1 Samuel 16. It's not a slide, so don't, don't put it up yet. Um, but I want to give a little context. The prophet Samuel was going to Bethlehem because he had to anoint a new king. God said, listen, Saul, who was the present king, was out here wilding because he had this he had this he had this thing where he wanted to be king and God it's the weirdest thing ever I don't know I don't know how he even got the position but he wanted to be king and God so Sam so God told Samuel hey go to Bethlehem there's a new king that I want to anoint there's somebody that I want to anoint because that person is going to be after my heart all right um so Samuel Samuel grabs a flask of oil he go grabs a cow and he, and he goes to Bethlehem, and he, and he goes to a man named Jesse's house. He gets to Jesse's house, knocks on the door, and say, hey, Jesse, you got any chaps? Y'all know what chaps is? See, my grandmother always said chaps, so I just wanted to throw that in there. She always called us chaps, but um, I didn't know if that was even going to work, but it kind of did. Um, but it's cool. He said, hey, you got any chaps? And then, and then uh, 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 Jesse said, well, yeah, I got, I got seven sons, which was actually like a bold face lie but we'll find that out a little bit later. Um, he said, I got seven Sam. So, so Samuel says, hey, Jesse, prepare the feast. Bring in all of your sons because God wants to anoint one of them as the next king. So Jesse is like, oh, really? Well, hey, boys, go ahead. Hey, get your Sunday's best on, get showered, do, uh, do everything you need to do because, I mean, we about to have a party. We about to have a celebration. And that's what Jesse was saying because he was like, yo, one of my sons are, are about to be anointed king right? So he says, uh, he, he, he goes, he, he tells the boys to get showered. He goes, he grabs the cow and he cooks it up. He puts it on the grill and it's getting all beautiful. But then I want to go to this next part because he lined the boys up and this is what they said. This is what the scripture says that happened. I, this ain't my words. This is what the scripture said. When they arrived, Samuel took the one, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord is anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, if I had a little time, I would go back and I would tell you how Samuel tried to take old vision into a new season. Because Eliab was like kind of like the same representation as Saul. He was like, last time I anointed the king, he looked, he was tall, handsome, and he was like, well, if, in order to be a king, you had to look like it. But God was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to make that mistake again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anoint the king after my heart. Not, af, not after what men and uh, women look like outside, but he was like, I want to anoint somebody after my heart. So what happened was Jesse began to parade all of his sons in front of Samuel. Eliab was already out the door. He's like, well, that ain't going to work. I think the next one was named Shemaiah. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to remember all them names. But he, he, oh, he paraded all six of the other sons. And every time it was like, nope, 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 nope. So I had to believe that Samuel was probably sitting there in the house like, well, now, Jesus, I mean, Lord, I, done, I know I didn't heard from you. This is the only Jesse on the block. 
This is the only Jesse in Bethlehem. I don't know. I know I'm at the right house. How are seven of them get rejected? I don't know, but what did I say? Ordinary plus X equals what? Extraordinary. So maybe they just didn't have that X part, right? Maybe they didn't have it. Um, but this is this is what I really, this is what really got me on this, this part of the story. Um, go to uh, 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13. I chose the message translation because I just like how it said it. So after he, after he got, all the other songs got rejected, this is what happens. Samuel asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? And then Jesse says, well, yes, there's the runt. But he's out tending the sheep. Now, come on, shout it. Like, I get it. You know, David, David might, uh, he might have been a, the, the seed of, a, of a, an adulterous relationship or something like that. None of us can really confirm or deny that, though. You didn't have to treat this. He's a kid. At this point, some people say David was about 13 to 15 years old. He was just a kid, right? He was just a kid. Um, but, but could you imagine how, how David must have felt at this time? Just put yourself in his shoes for a second. David is out doing the exact thing that his father told him to do, right? He's tending the sheep. He's taking care of everything, doing everything his dad told him to do. But then all of a sudden, up on the hill where you see the house at, he's like, oh, man, the lights are on. Man, okay, I'm, uh, that's cool. Next thing you know, he starts hearing music. And it's like, oh, well, I like that jam too, but I mean, it's cool. I'm going to just keep on shoveling the sheep dung. I'm going to just do my thing. But then, then the next thing is he's like, oh, man, it's a, it's a sweet aroma of ribs and ribeyes in the air. And, and I, I, I have to believe that at that moment, David was like, oh, wait a minute now. Your boy like a steak, a little Parmesan crust on top of it. I mean, what is happening? I know Samuel was coming to, to, the, to, the, to the town, but I, I, didn't, I, they didn't, I didn't get an invite. Nobody even gave, thought, about, thought enough about David to even get the man a plate. Imagine the amount of insecurity that must have just ran through David's entire body at that point. The amount of rejection that David must have felt. I'm being honest with you. If I was David and I'm an eight on the Enneagram, I would have ran in that house and I would have started acting a cold fool. I'm in there and I'm just wrecking the, the entire situation because you ain't going, you ain't going to have a whole party and not invite your boy and I'm out here with the sheep homes. That's just not what's happening. But, but I want to go back to the text real quick. Back to uh, 1 Samuel 16. Uh, this has to be 12. Um, Samuel ordered Jesse. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. Go get David. We're not going to move from this spot until he's here. So Jesse sent for him. David was brought in. They said he was the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. And then God said this, up on your feet, everybody. Anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brother standing around watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind, God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. Then... Samuel went home to Ramah. He went home to Ramah. It didn't say David went with him. He was anointed king, right? But it didn't mean that anything changed. He was still an ordinary kid. I, I, I want to even, I would want to know if I was at that time, if I was alive at that time. I, I wonder if he even got to stay at the party. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, because, it, it, I mean, literally, the next joint said he was back with the sheep. And I'm like, man, they probably said, oh, you the king, huh? Yeah, go head back to them sheep's homes. Like, because it was just a different kind of time, man. Um, but I believe that, I believe that God was literally working this out for David because he had to, he had to take David through a process to become who he was called to be. When he saw, when David was out there in the fields with, with God, I don't think, I don't think he was just chilling. I think God was, God was preparing him to be who he was called to be. But I also think that David discovered what the X factor was. Remember that equation? Ordinary plus what? X equals what? Extraordinary. That X is, it literally just means X factor. And I'm not talking about the show that we all used to watch a long, long time ago. I'm, this is the definition of an X factor. The definition is a variable in a given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome. Did y'all catch that? Y'all need, do I need to read it again? One more time. I got you. I'm going to read it a little slower. The X factor is a variable in a given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome. I believe that when David was out in the sheep, with the sheep and he was out there hanging, I believe that he discovered that the X factor to get him from being an ordinary kid to being extraordinary in life was simply this. The X factor was simply this. Spending intimate time with Jesus. Oh, yeah, I didn't even get excited about that. I, I got excited about that when I was reading. Spending intimate time with Jesus was the thing that David discovered. Hey, if I want my life to change, if I want my situation to change, if I want something to change in my life, that I need to spend time with Jesus because he's the only one that can take this ordinary life to make extraordinary impact. And we saw it, we see it so clearly in, in, in uh, uh, 1 Samuel 17. When, they, when the army of Israel and the Philistines were at war, I'm going to jump in right here. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. David was bringing food to his brothers because at that time he wasn't old enough to fight, even though David is a, he's a, he's a fighter. He wants to fight. That's just his thing. He was bringing food to his brothers. When he got there, like, he was like, okay, I'm here. It's thousands and thousands of men. So he's walking through the camp, and he's like, Oh, man, why everybody so scared? He's walking through and he's hearing all this talk of fear and like they've been out there for 40 days. So imagine you got the, the, the children of Israel on one side. You got the, uh, the Philistines on the other side. And literally the whole time there's been this man, Goliath, just coming into the valley, challenging one of them. And at that time, all of them for 40 days straight, just there shook, just scared. They wouldn't move. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't nobody ever say, because, hey, I'm not about to go out there and get smoked. It ain't about to be me today. But David gets there, and he's like, yo, man, um, like I, I think I could take him. Now think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. Some people say that Goliath was about nine feet tall. Some say eight. Some say ten. So I stayed in the middle just to be safe. Nine feet tall, 600 pounds. For context, David was probably about five foot tall. I don't even, like, he's like here. I can't even do nine, but he's about here. Tell me this. I, I, I think I'm a pretty tough guy. I done lost maybe a fight or two, just one or two, but you ain't about to run up on me. That's not happening. That's just, I'm just keeping a buck with you. You're not doing it. But, but, Goliath had been killing people since David was, like, probably born. What business does David have even trying to, what, 
what, what business does anybody have trying to go and trying to fight this man? You're talking about nine foot, 600 pounds. I'll be honest, I would have probably been like the other homies in the back, like, yeah, dog, it ain't going to be me. It ain't going to be me. Not today. Not today. But, but David goes around. He's saying, yo, I can take him. I can kill him. I can chop that tree down. I'm going to do it. And then it gets back to Saul. And Saul's like, well, finally somebody want to step up. Saul's the king. And he's like, well, finally somebody wants to do it. So then he sees David. And this is where it gets really interesting. Saul sees David and immediately thinks, there's no way that this ordinary kid can defeat this extraordinary giant. <laughs> uh, but what Saul didn't see is the, the fact that David had been on the backside of the mountain taking care of the sheep. And it literally says in the Bible, when, when David would be out there taking care of the sheep, he would literally, he would, he, would get, he would get attacked by bears or he would get attacked by lions. And it says he would literally grab them five foot. When was the last time you saw a bear? When was the last time you saw a lion? He would grab them by the throat and kill them with his bare hands. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know how he did it, but ordinary plus what? Equals what? Yeah, so let's go. Let's, let's go to the next passage of Scripture because I believe this kind of shows why David's mentality was the way it was when he was about to face Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, 36, it says this. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine, shall be like one of them. Since he has defied the armies of the living God, David said, the Lord, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will save me from this uncircumcised Philistine. So Saul said, Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. What? <laughs> but there it is though. You see it right there in the scripture. David knew that Saul didn't, I mean, that, David knew that Goliath didn't have the X factor. He knew that, that, that Goliath didn't have the answer, Sway. He knew because he was like, well, he's an uncircumcised Philistine. And in that time, the only way that you can, you can see relationship outwardly with God was circumcision. That was a key indicator that this is one of God's children. Goliath wasn't. So David knew right then and there that he had the advantage. He had the X factor on his side. He knew that Goliath had no backup. So... When David talks about the, the, the Lord saving him from the, the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, David was literally just speaking to his X factor. He was literally just speaking to the fact that like, yo, I have a relationship with somebody, an intimate relationship with God, and that's why I have the confidence I have. That's why I have the courageous boldness that I have. That's why I have the courageous boldness to go against anything that comes in my way, right? See, I believe when David was going through the process of intimacy with God, I believe God was training him, training his hands. He says in Psalm 144, he said, the Lord trains my hands for, for, for war and my fingers for battle. During that time of intimacy, David learned what God had uniquely designed him to do. What God had uniquely created him to do. I believe that God, is, God gave David a mamba mentality. Anybody know what the mamba mentality is? It's only a couple of us. All right. All right. Kobe Bryant right? One of the greatest of all time. I'm not a Kobe fan, but he is one of the greatest of all time. Kobe Bryant, literally every time he stepped on the floor, he said, I'm going to assassinate whoever's out there. I don't care. That's just, that was the mama mentality. And I believe that God gave David that same mentality. And, and he gave him the tools to use to take down anything that he came up against. Even if it was a nine foot giant, it didn't matter because he had got the tools from spending time with the 
one who had created him. That's why leaning into the X factor or leaning into intimacy with God is so important in our everyday lives. But it's even more important, even more important when you're going through trials or when you're going through tribulations or when you're going through battles. Because when you're going through these things and you're gifted by God, other people will see what you have and what you're carrying, but they will, they'll, see, they'll see what you're carrying, but they'll also see like what you're going against. And they'll say like, well, hey, let me help you out. Let me give you this. How about you do it this way? How about you do it that way? Because honestly, they're really just trying to get their, get their foot in the door because they want to be able to say, well, it was because of me that he won the victory anyway. That's what they want to say. That's what they want to say. But, but we see something really, really funny in this scripture real quick in 1, 17, uh, 1 Samuel 17. It says this. Then, then Saul said to David, then Saul gave David his own armor. Now, he, you just said go with the Lord. Now, you were shook right there with your armor. Now, you want to give me your armor, huh? What is that going to do for me? It ain't do nothing for you. But I'm going to digress. He's, he, gave, he gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped, it up, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it felt like. For he had never worn such things before. David said, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. He knew what he was made for. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff in a sling, he started across the valley. I'm going to speed walk through this next part because I think we all know it. So David went to the valley, right? He went to the valley. Only his staff, only his sling, only his rocks. He went to the valley. He started swirling the joint because he said, I'm not about to try to fight Goliath hand to hand because you know nine nine foot five foot it don't work that way um he took the sling he starts swinging 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 he hurled the he hurled the stone at the middle of goliath's head with the accuracy and speed of a colt 45 handgun can you imagine that i've never even thrown anything that high but could you imagine a rock somebody actually doing stuff like that but what did i say before ordinary plus what x equals extraordinary he i mean that david knew it but the thing is, I'm pretty sure when people were like, when people were like seeing David going into the valley, they're like, man, he about to go get himself kilted. He about to go get himself smoked, man. He about to go get himself smoked. But, but the thing is this, sometimes what you carry won't look like much to other people. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes what you carry, what you have in your hand might look significant or just ordinary. I'm sure like, like many of us, we've heard the enemy in our ears telling us like, hey, you're inadequate. What, what, what do you think that you're going to do? You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You might as well go ahead and give up and, and quit. I'm pretty sure a lot of us have heard that, right? But when you begin to spend time with the creator, the creator of all heaven and earth, when you begin to spend time with the one who has uniquely uh, formed you and crafted you in the way that you should be and given you every tool that you need to succeed in whatever you go against, when you begin to when you begin to spend that kind of quality time with our God, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you. Oh, I need, I'm, I'm getting excited. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Slow down. Slow down. Because as long as you know that what you're carrying came from that intimate time with God, as long as you know that what you're carrying came from that X factor, right? That X factor, as long as you know that, there is no weapon, now we can go, there is no weapon that can be formed against you that will prosper. Uh, you, I, 
See, if I was at home, I, I swear I, 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 would go, I would start running right now. Because regardless of what anybody is saying, no weapon of fear, no weapon of rejection, no weapon of inadequacy, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon form against you shall prosper. See, 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 if I was at home, I would say it like this. The devil is a liar. He can't do nothing to you. See, the reason why, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm getting so excited at this part is because, listen, this whole week, I had to tell myself that same thing. <laughs> this is the first time and I don't know how long that I had to actually face being inadequate in the area. There were so many times during this week that I was like this close to calling Parker and say, hey man, go ahead and sub me out, y'all. I'm, I'm, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Call Steve. Steve can make a message in about five minutes. Go get Steve to do it because I don't got the words, Sway. I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers, but I kept hearing this little voice in my head. I kept hearing this little voice in my head saying, ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. Ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. And it was like, okay, God, I guess I got to take my own, my own medicine right now. All right, I got this super ordinary gift because when it comes to teaching, this is not my thing. I don't know. It's like I, I get, I get mush mouth. It's weird. Um, I said, but, you know, God, I, I, I got this ordinary gift. I'm spending time with you. I'm spending time. I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm, I'm studying. I'm doing everything I know how to do. You got to make something extraordinary happen because I can't do it. I knew my strength was limited, but I had the X factor. But I had the X factor. And you know what he told me? You know what he told me? He told me, he said, Carrington, I was sitting in my, in my living room last night because I was literally going to say a whole nother story. Um, so Parker, that's, if you're trying to figure out, yeah, it's, it's off. Um, but I was sitting in my living room last night and, and I was like, well, God, what, what, what do I do? And he was like, Carrington, you are the only one who can look in the face of every insecurity you have, every doubt that you have, every fear that you have, and still shoot your shot. He said, somebody, somebody might be able to do it differently. Somebody might even be able to do it better. But it doesn't matter because you were fearfully and wonderfully made. So whatever they can do, they can't do it like you, son. So listen, I don't know if this message is having an extraordinary impact for anybody in this room. It might just be for me. But I can tell you, after, he after all the hell that I went through this week, the extraordinary thing is that I'm standing here in the face of every fear, of every doubt, and I'm teaching the Word of God. I said, the devil can't stop me. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can... I looked in the face of that devil and said, nah, you ain't gonna get me grandfather prayed. My grandfather said my children will speak the word of God. My so what I'm basically saying is this. What I'm basically saying is this. We all have gifts. I gotta put a bow on it real quick. We all have gifts. But what you decide to do with the gift determines the outcome. What you decide to do with the gift God put in your hands 
will be reflected in the lives of the people around you, in your families, in your, uh, in your church community. It will be reflected everywhere. And I know y'all probably like, well, I've been talking about preachers and I've been talking about singers all day. I'm not just talking about music or a gift that can be on a platform. I see people back there every week at the door, people with the gift of, of hospitality. I see people back there every week. There's a, there's a woman back home in, in Buffalo, New York. Um, I call her Mother Janie. And like literally, as soon as I would walk into church, I would see her. She would smile at me. She would give me a hug. And no matter what I was going through that day, everything just faded because of her gift of hospitality. God wants to use that gift too, just as much as he want to use anything up here. Um, uh, the gift of uh, writing. My, my wife, she would never actually want to come up here and do this, what I'm doing right now. She'd be like, nah. But honestly, she's one of the most gifted writers I have ever seen in my life. One of the most gifted writers I've ever seen in my life. The way she articulates with the pen, I could never do it. But that's her gift, and God wants to use that. Oh, and I got, I got, I got one more. The gift of generosity. Now, this is a gift. You see how, see how quiet it got? You see how quiet it got? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, the gift of generosity is something that we all should have in this room. Amen? Amen, but we all don't use it too often. I'm just going to be honest with you. We all don't use it too often. Um, but there are a group of people, a small group of people here at, at Four City Church that has been uh, uh, helping us really carry this vision forward with their generosity. So thank you to that small group. But I got to take a little commercial break just for a second. Just for a second. You might not want to clap. So just, you know, that's what I'm saying. How many people in this, in this room actually believe in what we're doing as a church? By the show of hands. By the show of hands. Okay. Okay. All right. It seems like everybody. I'm going to be honest with you. Spaces like this don't happen by mistake. Spaces like this don't happen by mistake. Places that, 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 that literally say, hey, we're going to embody the first commandment, loving the Lord. And the second commandment, loving our neighbors. Loving our neighbors as ourselves. A church that is saying like, yeah, I'm going to be on the right side of racial reconciliation. And I'm not talking about, I'm not, going, I'm not talking about the right wing, all right? I'm talking about being morally right in how we address things of racial reconciliation. I'm a black man serving under a, a, a white pastor. We better have some racial reconciliation up in this piece. I'm going to just be honest with you. A place that's saying, like, yo, we're going to encourage diversity. We're going to embrace it. Not just in, 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 in uh, 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 race, in ethnicity, but also in gender. Women are going to be released to, to do their thing. I was so, yeah, yeah, hey, clap for that. I was so proud looking at Ari. She was just up here. She did one of them uh, anointed head nods. I love that kind of stuff. That's what it looked like when I was at home. Um, but God wants, God wants to use this place, but he needs to use you in your generosity. See, you remember those whole, uh, those Uncle Sam posters that say, Uncle Sam needs you? I really feel like God is saying right now, God needs your generosity. We need that generosity to keep this place doing what it's doing to fulfill the mission and the vision that God has set for this place. Amen? Amen. I know it hurt, but it's right. It's right. I promise you it is. And you might be sitting there like, well, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know. But that's a beautiful thing too. You know Why? Because if you just begin to spend time with Jesus, oh yeah, I know, that's the, that's the X factor. If you just begin to spend time with Jesus, the creator will show you everything that you were created for. 
If you're looking and you're saying like, well, God, I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. They, they, riding, they running me crazy. Just spend a little time with Jesus. If you're looking and you're saying like, hey, hey, my, my marriage is in shambles. What do I do? I'm, I'm at my last wit. I'm at, my, at the end of my rope. Just spend a little time with Jesus. I'm telling you, he's the answer to every equation. What I'm basically saying is, I promise this. If you just commit to saying, hey, God, here's this ordinary life. And, 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 and really, really commit to like spending time meaning like, hey, before you before you roll over and, and get your day going and looking at Instagram and looking at whatever, the stock market, whatever you want to look at. Hey, roll over and say, hey, Jesus, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for giving me breath in my body one more day. God wants to use you, but you have to do your part as well and present your ordinary life to an extraordinary God so he can make extraordinary impact through you. Amen, church. Amen, church. We was going to sing, but we ain't going to sing because I'm all over time. So can we all stand up all over the building? Just play. Yeah, just play it. I'm, I was going to tell you all a story about how I wrote a song, um, this song called Promises. Um, but but I'm not going to do it this morning because it's a holiday weekend. Uh, uh, do we just do it? All right, all right. So, hey, uh, the rest of the team, where y'all at? Come on out. Come on, we're just going to do it then. You've been listening to Carrington Gaines with part five of the One Shot series with the message, The X Factor. Thanks for listening.